Um, so I want to, one, the big thing for us to think about today is not the results, that really this idea of faithfulness, you know, that is a, an ongoing theme at River, that it would really carry into evangelism. And it's easy, I think, for us to get stirred up in the results, is, is are my friends coming to church, is Dallas going to come to my group, but that we would just be faithful with the process. I stumbled across a podcast yesterday. I was out in my yard digging a trench for my sump pump trying to beat the rain, and um, there was a golfer that was on there, and he was talking about his process, that he doesn't worry about whether he wins championships. He's more focused on what does the work that I need to do each day. And so as we talk about evangelism, really want us to think about the process and not just about um, the end results. And I'm going to really focus on practical. I'm gonna, we're going to do really nuts and bolts and not just uh, big idea stuff. And my plan is to take Terry's process that he threw out there um, at the leadership retreat and unpack each one of these. So if you can go to that next slide, Trace. I don't know if you guys remember this. Uh, these, each one of these circles kind of representing a different aspect of evangelism. And when you look at this, it's a nice circle and it flows really well. Um, but I want us to think of it more in terms of a garden. Okay. So these things all happen sort of at the same time. You know, you're praying and you're building relationships. You're praying and you're pursuing people. You're praying and you're proclaiming. It's not like, okay, I prayed, check. And now I do this, check. Uh, you know, if you were, if you were working with Kevin in his garden and you're raising produce, you don't go, okay, water, done. I don't need to water anymore. Fertilize, done. Take care of the soil, don't need to do that anymore. It happens all the time. So evangelism is, process is a way to think about it, but also a garden that we have to have all of these things. And I kind of already talked about the first one, which is pray. I mean, that's the, the best place. And really the most work of evangelism is praying because this is God's invitation. It's his activity he is the one who has made the way. He is the one who is really making the invitation. And as I said before, as I prayed for people and God's done stuff, it's uh, unfortunately been shocking to me. But I realize it should be more normal. I pray and God works in people's lives. But if I'm faithful to the process, that God uh, would work. So this is my prayer card. This is how I do it. You don't have to do it like this. I just have a three by five card and different names on there. My neighbors are up there. My former neighbors are up there. Um, A guy I went to high school with and haven't seen for 20 years is up there. Um, A guy that I laid carpet with and used to come to River 10 years ago is up there. I don't know where he's at. So um, I'm just praying for these people. And uh, this this came from that book, The Praying Life. I don't know if you guys remember that book. It's a really great book. I read it four years ago, whenever it was introduced at the church and didn't do anything with it. And then I read it again this summer and thought, man, this is really good. I should do some of this stuff. So I started using these prayer cards. And you you could do this in your group. Just give a card to each person and say, hey, write down one name. Some of these names on here, uh, there's a guy on here that says Dan P. That's actually our own Dan Proffer. He does know Jesus. But um, the guy next to his name up there is someone that he knows and that he's praying for. So I had coffee with Dan and said, hey, who's somebody that you're praying for to know Christ that I could pray for? And I 
put him on my card. So you could do this in your group and just share and pray for each other. Um, I know we've introduced the concentric circles in the past, um, where you have in the middle, that's where you are, and then the next circle is your family, and then after that, your friends, and your neighborhood, and your co-workers, and praying through that. That's based on a book uh, called Concentric Circles of Concern. It was out of print. You can actually get it from Amazon uh, as a digital copy, or they do have paperback copies now. And uh, so if you're interested in more on that, go there and buy that book. It's a really easy read. Uh, it's by a guy named uh, Dr. Thompson, who he's, he's not alive anymore. He um, had cancer and died, but he wrote this book before his death. And one of the things that he talks about uh, in there about prayer is that it's the greatest battle in evangelism and, and in living for Jesus. He said, no wonder people are not converted and their lives are not changed. People are not taking prayer seriously. If you do not believe in a supernatural God, you'll be in trouble because you'll think, I'm going to have to manipulate this whole thing. I think the biggest thing for us with regards to evangelism, it's this word that, oh, man, I've got to do this. We just need to relax. This is God's activity. And if we're engaged in prayer and we're looking to see where he's at work, he is going to be at work. And we're going to get to be a part of making the invitation. Prayer, I think, really prepares us to look for opportunities. So think about in your group, how can we do this in my group? Maybe you do the three-by-five cards. Um, I know Scott and Brianne Oaks, a few years ago, they did concentric circles, and they each person kind of went through their relationships, and they prayed through them that way. All right? So that was the first part of Terry's process, is pray. And really, that's most of the work, is pray. The next one was prepare uh, and understand the gospel. And we're going to talk about this in terms of actually having a gospel presentation that you can make to someone. But I think this is also a lifetime pursuit for us that daily in our quiet times we're remembering what Christ has done. The more that I am grateful for Jesus' work in my life, the more I can authentically make that invitation. I am a sinner saved by grace. And I'm continuing to think about that over and over. In those daily devotionals uh, that Jim's writing, there's a prayer in there, the very first prayer, and it says, be still and reflect on Jesus and his sacrifice for you. So part of understanding the gospel is being able to make the presentation, but also that I'm thinking about it and I'm letting it soak deeper and deeper into who I am. Does that make sense? Not just being able to go through it. So, so part of preparing is practice. Um, and so one of the things that I would encourage you to do in your small group is take time and just practice sharing the gospel with each other. You could use the bridge illustration Go to Google and search Bridge Illustration Gospel Presentation, and you'll find it there. You could do Four Spiritual Laws. There's some pamphlets out there in the foyer that has uh, called Steps to Peace with God that has a gospel presentation. On the back of the bulletins every Sunday is a gospel presentation. So there's lots of ways that you could do it. Um, One way that I'm going to try and start doing it is actually use the story of the prodigal son. Um, My thought is, you know, this is a story that Jesus told, 
And if I can use this story, it would help people maybe see the Bible as, a, as valuable in their life. So my friends that have come to church, their question has been, well, what do you guys believe? What's your, how's your church different than my church? So my plan when I have opportunity is to say, well, you know, that's a great question. Can I tell you a story that Jesus told that really illustrates the whole story of the Bible? Or if I don't want to memorize it, I could just say, hey, that's a great question. Is it okay if we read a story from the Bible that Jesus told that really illustrates the whole story of the Bible? So then you paraphrase the prodigal son or you read the prodigal son's story. And then my plan from there is I'm going to talk about these four things that are actually in the story of the prodigal son. You see relationship. The father and the son were in relationship. And then you see a rejection. That son decided, I don't want to be in your house anymore. And that's kind of what's happened in, with our relationship with God. The Bible calls that sin. I've rejected, I've rejected God, just like this son rejected his dad. And then the next thing that you see in this story is recognition. The son realizes oh man, I had it a whole lot better when I was living at my dad's house. Maybe I can go home. Maybe he'll take me back. And then you see restoration. The son goes to his, his dad and says, Dad, I just want to be a servant in your house. And the dad says, that's not going to be good enough. I want you to be my son. And just like this dad, when he saw his son walking on the road, He ran out to meet him. That's what God has done in sending Jesus. He came to us. And this son didn't deserve to be in the family again, but the dad was gracious enough to let him back into his family to be his son. That's really what we believe, and that's the story of the Bible. So you can use those, you can use that method if you want. Um, but really, I'm not going to, when I talk to people, I'm not going to go like that. Where this is different because I'm doing sort of a presentation. But I would ask questions along the way. Man, what do, how do you think that dad felt when his son said, I don't want to live in your house anymore? Did the dad have to take his son back? He chose to. And so going through that and helping them just see the story of the gospel and helping them discover it for themselves um, I, know, I don't know about you guys, but I have, I've used different methods, and um, every time I start talking to somebody, I kind of veer off a little bit because I'm having a conversation. I'm in a relationship, and so if I get down to step two and that's as far as we go, then that's okay. I just move on and know that God's in control and I can come back to it later. But it is good for us and important for you to be able to, to know how to go from A to Z with somebody, because if they're there and they're still tracking, you want to keep going. Does that make sense? Um, So that, that's my, that's how I'm going to try to share the gospel with my, my neighbors um, that have, that have come and have, that are interested. They've been to church. So they're at a different, maybe a different place. They want to know what we believe. And so I'm going to tell them, well, this is what we believe. Um, But I would encourage you in your groups to take time and practice this. Um, there's some verses that'd be great to memorize. Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 2.8 and 9, 
would be another great one for your groups to memorize if they want to do the work to prepare um, that we have been saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works so that no one can boast. Uh, John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So you could have your group memorize those verses. That's some work that they could do to prepare. If you wanted to you know, share the gospel in this way in your group, maybe just read the prodigal son together in your group and talk about how do you see the gospel in this, in this story. But I think... For me, though, preparing is part of the work, but praying is most of the work. The next thing that Terry talked about in his process is building these trust relationships. And I don't know if you guys remember how he defined trust relationship. It means if I invite Zach to go to lunch, he doesn't think that's weird. He might think that's weird right now. We don't really know each other very well. I mean, we've met a few times in the foyer, but... He might think that's weird. But if Brian, if I say, hey, Brian, let's go to lunch. He's like, oh, about time. Let's do it. Because we've known each other for a little while and we have more trust. Um, Thompson, in his book, The Concentric Circles, he talks about trust as building bridges. And so he gives a few ways that you can build bridges. Uh, One of those is celebrations, times when people have birthdays or graduations or weddings. Those are opportunities to build bridges. Um, Guys, if you're at all like me, I don't really like wedding showers that much. And sometimes birthday parties for one-year-olds, I'm like, okay, that sounds great. No, thank you. But it's an opportunity for me to build a bridge. So I need to see it that way. Um, Difficulties are obviously opportunities to build bridges into people's lives. And really, in building a trust relationship, I'm not looking to accomplish something. Boom, trust relationship, done, send me to the next thing. No, these are people that I, I love and care for, and if I'm praying for them, I can really gain a heart for them as opposed to just learning to check off boxes. But we still need some some tactics, I think. So in your groups, if you have a night out planned, make plans to invite someone along. If you um, are doing a service project, make plans to invite someone along. Hey, if somebody in your group is having a birthday, does anybody have a birthday plan for this year? Right? I know maybe it sounds weird, but have a birthday party. I'm 41. I, maybe it's about time for me to have a birthday party. It's been a while. But that'd be a great chance for me to build bridges with some of my neighbors, celebrate myself, come over to my house. You could do it. Throw me a party. <clears throat> but build trust relationships, really trying to connect with people so that this isn't weird. Um, it's, it really goes in line with that one-story life and one-story thinking. The next part of the, that process really ties into the one story as well, and that's identify with Christ. Um, kind of getting that in there early on in the relationship. And Terry talked about this as dropping spiritual potato chips. And I know that Brenda is really good at this. I observed her doing this on the Pikes Peak trip. Um, we were at Pikes Peak, and there was something that kind of bad happened 
up at the top of the mountain. And um, Trace and Lily were there to help make sure that bad situation didn't get really bad. And later, Brenda was talking to her friends about it and said, man, isn't it really cool that God provided the right person at the right time to just help take care of these kids? She didn't make a huge deal about it. She didn't go and share the whole gospel. It was just, man, look what God did. Hey, where do you guys want to go eat? Uh, You know, it was just normal conversation. Right, Brenda? So one of the friends, she dropped this potato chip and they wet their appetite and they're still interested. So Tiffany has been really good at that with our neighbors. They were, they were telling her about a difficult situation and she said, man, isn't it cool how God provided the right person in that situation to meet that need? And then our neighbor's response was, yeah, I've been thinking about going to church. Oh, okay. But that was like, Tiffany didn't say, hey, you should come to church. It was, that's what she said. And like, okay, well, come on, you should do that then. God, God is at work, and it's, it's really not that hard. It's crazy. Anyway, I get off track because I get excited about God's activity and excited about Brenda sharing that story. I'm like, okay, we should just pray now. Golly, what are we doing? But I have more stuff to say, so I'm going to keep going. Um, so, again, what does this look like in group life? I think one thing is living open and honest lives. You know, as we live that way in group, as we talk about our life with God, that just trickles over into the rest of our life. And I sort of thought of this as we don't sanitize our conversations. Um, so if a non-believer comes to me and says, hey, Rodney, how's, how's it going? That's a kind of a normal question. And I say, man, it's going good. You know, school started. Kids are doing good in school. Things are going good. And that, that's really true. But a believer come and ask me that question, hey, how's it going? My answer would be, man, things are going great. School's going good. Kids are doing good. You know, we were really praying for Jesse, and there was some bullying going on, and God's really helped him deal with some of those challenges. It's been really, been really good. So same answer, but I kind of sanitized it a little bit. And you guys might not do that, but I do. And I want to I want to stop doing that. I want to live one story and identify with Christ and not make a huge deal out of it, but just drop those, those spiritual potato chips. Uh, the last one was that we would include others in the friendship. And this is easy. We already have this built in with small groups, um, but that we would invite other people along into the, into re, into the relationship. So, um, again, night outs, a great opportunity. Service projects, a great opportunity. Um, Helping each other around the house, a great opportunity. When I moved last year, um, I invited many of you uh, to come and help me move. And all of my movers were River people and Westridge people. And I also invited my neighbor from across the street to come help, but he couldn't help. But he did loan me his trailer. So he was a part of the process, and he got to see 25 people ascend on my house and move our whole family in like an hour and a half. And afterwards, he was like, wow, that was pretty cool. You had a lot of people. And I said, yep, that, they were all friends from church that I've invited him to and I want him to come to. But he got to, he got to be a part of the mix. So inviting 
friends. One of the things that I've tried to do with this is not just say, hey, can I help you with that? Can I be involved in your life? But one of the things that's really helped this guy and helped us connect is for me to say, hey, would you come over here and and help me do this, bringing him into my life by saying, I have needs and I want you to to help me has been a been a great way to um, involve him in my life, but then get him around other friends. Because usually if I'm working in the basement or working in my yard, I've got Kevin Alliston for my small group there and hopefully plus one other person. So I know that um, I've talked to some people who have come to faith as adults and they've said that this has been the biggest, one of the biggest things in their life. So they know one person and that one person invites them But then all of a sudden they get to know this other person and that other person and another person over here and another person over there. And they see the whole community of faith. And this one person's testimony is verified by another and another and another. So including people is really, really critical. One sort of tip, maybe, in this regard is, so my neighbor, for example, they come to church and you see them, and you go up to them and say, oh, hey, you're Rodney's neighbor. Yeah, I've been praying for you. Wow, this is great. Hey, don't do that. That's, that's maybe not the best idea. Um, I was talking to someone once who they came to faith as an adult, and then they came to the church, and somebody said, oh, man, you're so-and-so. Yeah, I've been praying for you. I'm so glad that you came to know Jesus. And it just kind of weirded them out a little bit. Their intentions were right, but it was a little, little awkward. So as we include people in our friendships, you know, don't go up to somebody and say, oh, hey, yeah, you're Sam. You don't know Jesus yet, right? You know, I mean, I know you guys wouldn't do that. I'm exaggerating. But even just being aware and thinking about that, we don't want to, because we don't have, I don't know about you guys, I don't have believing friends and unbelieving friends. I have friends. I have people who have responded to God's invitation, but they're all people that God loves and treasures. So for me, that's why on my prayer card, it says friends at the top, not unsaved friends. They're just, they're just friends. That's to help me think of them as people that God loves and values and as my friends. So here's kind of a recap of uh, Terry's process here on this, this next slide. And I think Jim is going to include these in the study guide, each one of these P's. So we're trying to think of a way that it would be, this could become normal and not something we have to, you know, go to the conference and get going and, okay, now I have that notebook somewhere. What am I supposed to do again? But that in your group each week, maybe you think, hey, let's pray. Is there somebody that you guys are praying for that doesn't know Jesus? Or in your group, hey, we were planning to have a night out. Yeah, okay, we should pursue a relationship. Is there someone that we could invite to go to that night out with us? Does that make sense? So these will be a part of the study guide in some way, shape, or form, just as prompts. Again, they're guides, but just to remind us, man, God's at work. I just need to be reminded and look and see what he's doing and know how to be involved. So with that in mind, what I'd like for us to do Um, is to just pray together. And we're going to spend some time practicing that first P. And if you need to pray standing up, that's okay. I know it's 5 o'clock and we maybe didn't get our Sunday afternoon nap. 
Um, and we've been in this room sitting for a little while. So you can stand or you can move around. Um, and here's four things that you could pray for. So you could get with your spouse or get with your LIT or do it by yourself or get with your group leader or just find somebody if you want to pray with somebody. And you can pray for these four things. Thank God for inviting you into his family and making a way for you. Pray by name for someone to be saved. And if you don't have someone, you can pray, God, please send me someone. I did that, and he did. Pray that God would help you to see people the way he sees them, as loved and valued. They're not projects. They're not people that we're trying to get to come into this building. We want them to come to know the God who created them and who loves them. And then just pray for yourself and pray for your group that you would be active in sharing your faith. There's that verse in Philemon. I know that we've heard it a lot, Philemon 6. But this week when I read it, I realized, oh, hey, these are instructions Paul's giving. I pray that you would be active in sharing your faith. If Paul thought it was a good idea to pray that people would be active in sharing their faith, we should pray the same thing for ourselves and pray that for other people. I pray that you would be active in sharing your faith so that you would know every good thing that you have in Christ. So pray through these four things. Uh, we'll take six minutes and do that. And then, uh, and then I think we'll be done unless there's other announcements you want to make at the end, Jim. Okay. So I'm going to be quiet and you guys can just pray and then we'll be, we'll be done.